Hello, welcome to Country Roads Confidential here at Earsports.com, part of the 24-7 network. I'm still shaken by what I witnessed at the Coliseum on Monday night, a collective performance, an individual array of offensive contributions. One of the most amazing plays I've seen live. Costing turns to sleep at all last night. You're really just going to relive everything. Chris Anderson, Chris, have you shot this last night? I don't think I can properly grasp this kind of nine-day stretch with West Virginia. Um, if, if you go back to the previous Saturday, beating Texas Tech by double digits, top 25 Texas Tech team, completely dismantling TCU, embarrassing them, then handing Texas their worst loss in Big 12 play ever. Mm-hmm. And then right before that, is obviously the Kansas State game, which I didn't join you for the post-game stuff. I had something else going on, but I was kind of like, I don't even know what's happening because I, I, I didn't get to see the game. But none of it makes sense. Nothing I could, if I went back and watched that game right now, none of it would make sense with what I've seen with these other three games, especially after this game against Texas. I think from the Ohio State game on, I've been very confused because I was extremely high on Ohio State. Um, my number three win in the Huggins era, of course. And then apparently they just forgot how to play. And then maybe they're not that good. And then now they're not even in the top 25 and they've earned that designation. So you start to wonder how much of that is school's gold. And sure enough, West Virginia loses to Kansas, beats a bad Oklahoma State team. Um, Texas Tech and TCU are not good matchups. And TCU, to be frank, is not good. And then they lose at Kansas State. And for every reason you just said um, – it's been a wild swing. You're like, well, maybe this is coming back to earth a little bit. And I think that one of the things that we wrestled with on Sunday was, you know, how much of this was just a one day thing and how much of this was the beginning of something or maybe coming to the surface of something that we hadn't seen before. Yeah. Uh, none of the above. <laughs> I'm not sure how much of today or excuse me, Monday night was the norm, but if you're crossing out things that don't make sense, Saturday's game doesn't really make sense. And this is more in line with some of the very impressive performances. And uh, it did not take them long to get back on track. Now, as I say, this, this reminded me a lot more of that TCU game than, than anything else we've seen. Uh, Cause it's, it was a complete game. Like we've seen this mm-hmm. defense be absolutely smothering. We've seen them shut people down, but uh, I, I'm trying to off the top of my head, the first two that come to my mind are the TCU game and this game where the offense is clicking. The defense is clicking. They're rebounding the ball. Um, really, like, you go through it. And the only thing, I think the only thing I can look at this this box score, and you think back to the game, because when I think back to the game, I, I hardly even remember it because of all the good stuff. But you see the box score, that 59% free throw shooting, that's mm-hmm. going to, that's still a problem. But everything else is just. I mean, some of these stats are things that haven't happened in years. I, I tweeted about it, uh, a 50-50 game, 50% from the floor and 50 rebounds. Uh, first time that's happened against a, a Power 5 opponent for West Virginia since 2001. Wow. Uh, I mean, it was, it was a really good game. And you could tell Bob Huggins kind of felt the same way in postgame. It, usually he tries to pick a couple things that, that, that bother him that didn't go well. He didn't have it tonight. Not Not one complaint. Tough stretch for Texas, too. Um, start Big 12 play with a loss of Baylor. Lose at home to Oklahoma. Beat Kansas State. 
beat Oklahoma State, and then the big game Saturday at home against Kansas, hung around, lost. Um, that did not look like a team that wanted any part of what West Virginia was throwing at it from beginning to end. And some questions there about where this is going and, and what shape it'll be like at the finish line. How, again, how was this team with all this talent and by all accounts a really good coach um, so wobbly so early in the conference? I mean, if we don't see this happen in basketball, but let's say this was Texas football and they had been kind of struggling over the last few years. Uh, rumors of maybe getting Shaka Smart out of there in the offseason, finding somebody new. Uh, they don't pull the trigger. You come into this season, start teetering a little bit, and then suffer this humiliating defeat on the road at West Virginia. Worst loss in Big 12 history. Does Shaka Smart get left on the plane? Like, is he sitting on the bus? Does he even make it back to Austin? If this is football? I, I did see does. him leave the arena, so I can confirm that he at least was on the bus okay. on Monday night. Uh, I don't know what game he was watching, though, because it was getting away, and it was 12 points, 14 points, and then all of a sudden it's a 20-0 run and doesn't feel the need to call a timeout. And It was just a thing where it looked like his players were helpless and were looking for some sort of assistance and just didn't get it. And um, I mean, tried everyone, tried everything. And the strange thing here is that that's a team that can match up. They are tall. They have some girth. They have some length. And um, really, Culver and Shibway and Osaboy and even Harler had, excuse me, Route had no trouble with them tonight. And that's been kind of a thing with West Virginia. Um, they tower over these teams like TCU and Texas Tech that can't match up. And when a team like Kansas State can, I don't know, push back a little bit, then you wonder what the reaction was going to be. No such issue tonight. Those All, all those big guys had really big games. So is it as simple as because the way Huggins kind of phrased it in post game was just everybody tried hard yeah. and they did what they were supposed to and that was it that's the only difference and I'm trying to think it is it like it really might be like I'm trying to think of who did what so much better or what did they change schematically I don't think they did I think there really was just more life from everyone on the team let's hammer a few obvious things um for the whole first half no Taz Sherman, no Sean McNeil. For the entire game, no Brandon Knapper. Um, that put all the guard play onto Haley and McCabe and a little bit of Harler, and they were no worse for wear there. Um, so you wonder, when they make this odd change in their lineup and things go better than ever, how much of that contributes to their performance in the first half. But then in the second half, uh, Sherman especially played pretty well. Um, and then McNeil came in and just did a couple of things, but he only played 11 minutes, but um, really tightened the ropes in the first half and was rewarded for it. Is that a coincidence or is that something that maybe you think has some firm footing going forward? Mm, I don't think it's a coincidence because I think first off, it was, it was great to see Haley and Matthews for that matter, can mm-hmm. get off to a good start because both of those guys have really struggled for a couple of weeks now, I feel like, and, and have, taking kind of the brunt uh, of, of Huggins' anger with that first unit. And McCabe has obviously been somebody that, that's taken some uh, some hits this year with his play. He's been pulled a lot, and and McBride's come in and done well. And he got an interesting opportunity today where McBride got into foul trouble, and obviously something's up with, with Napper um, with a DMP coach's decision. And – he made the most of it. Uh, you know, I don't feel like he was 
spectacular. I, I don't remember. I'm looking now. No, yeah, no first half assists. He had two assists, and I, I think both of them were late in the game. Mm-hmm. He only got the double digit points with a three, like in the final minute. But he 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 wasn't pounding the ball. He was swinging it around. I didn't feel like he was getting abused on defense. Uh, all the things that kind of people bring up when they're like, "Why isn't McKay playing?" Here's why. And, and we didn't see it. I, he was just a solid player who hit a couple big threes and did well. And that was it. And that's what yeah, they want. I guess that's what they can take from him if, if he'll give it. It was almost a shooting guard. It seemed like he wasn't really running things and got the ball and got rid of it. And right. That certainly made a change there, too. Um, what's the difference between Emmett Matthews and the previous seven games and Emmett Matthews tonight? And again, we're, we're speaking of relativity here. Eight points, it's not an explosion for him, but he looked totally different. At least in the first half, because I, 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 made, I made a joke of I think we got Spanish Emmett Matthews back mm-hmm. because the Emmett Matthews we saw in Spain was someone who was attacking the rim, who looked bouncy, who was slashing. Um, now I feel like at least the previous couple of weeks and maybe most of the season, I feel like he's a guy that's kind of just hanging around the three-point line, but that's not exactly his forte. I feel like he's more of a slashing guy. He's more of a driving guy. He's a guy that can attack the rim and take advantage of his length. And he showed that in the first half. He had eight points, four rebounds, and a steal in the first half. Second half, squat, nothing. Didn't even attempt a shot. Only played three minutes in the second half. Hey, Chris. Yes. I have a thought. Go. They got really good late last season. Now they got better late last season, and they beat the number gosh, two seed in the tournament, national runner-up, I think, Texas Tech in the Big 12 tournament, um, and played better markedly um, the final 10 games. They really only used seven or eight players because they didn't have that many players. Um, And they got their act together. The minutes were concentrated into their best players, and they played their best basketball of the season. I think there was some of the no need to look over your shoulder stuff, and that's why they excelled. They can definitely look over their shoulder now and see people, but perhaps – um, they're smaller in the rearview mirror now, or perhaps they're just not as much of a threat for their playing time. Um, and then tonight, seven, eight guys, and they take off. I think they're onto something there. I don't hate it. I, I, it, it does this mean we need to go back to our eight man rotation discussion no, for the 15th time this year? <laughs> I can't. Um, you, the, the one thing that I think was most interesting was the lost in, um, lost in the performance Saturday was that the second half offensively was pretty good. Um, desperate, you know, kind of turned their defense on offense a little bit, took advantage of some, I don't know, some listless play from Kansas State as they got a lead, but really shot the ball well from the floor, from three-point range, had very few turnovers and got it going. And when you listen to the players after the game talk, that was something that they realized they, they probably should have had from the very beginning. And, you know, by the way, maybe we should have this Monday night and then for the rest of the season. And their first half tonight was excellent. If you look at those two halves, 50%, um, just about 50% from three-point range, 88 points, and just seven turnovers in two halves of basketball. Um, maybe it's a surprise tonight because of how emphatic it was. Maybe it's not that much of a surprise because, one, they're not terrible. And, two, they didn't play a completely bad game on Saturday. So that's what five of the last six halves yep. doing really well offensively. Like just going back to your point of let's find the thing that, that that's standing out, the thing that's different, uh, the aberration rather than, and don't just assume that it's all bad. But I think that first half against Kansas state, at least offensively, I mean, obviously the defense was not great and Kansas state shot really well, but um, maybe the offense has turned around five out of the last six halves, 
doing well, shooting well. Uh, but something I did notice in this, and again, I, I don't know what to compare it to with Kansas State. I did not see that game. But West Virginia, 40 layups and dunks today. Mm-hmm. 40. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of time, there's a lot of talk about, hey, you got to shoot three. But the other part of that whole statistical analysis of shooting threes is if you're not shooting threes, you're getting to the rim. And West Virginia shot 40 layups and dunks and 32 free throws today. That's winning basketball. Uh, that the, the shooting percentages will take care of themselves if you're shooting 40 layups and dunks. Well, Texas pressed most of the second half, or at least tried to extend their defense. So West Virginia had no trouble breaking no. that. And then Texas had no resistance. Um, guys fouled out, and guys just realized that it was going to be a long game and how much punishment they want to take was going to be you know, commensurate with how much they tried, it seemed like. And West Virginia had no fear and was running at them, which leads to our talking point here. The play that Sheboy makes, I don't want to talk too much about that because I'm going to write about it, but in the pantheon of things that you've witnessed in person, um, it's way up there for me. I mean, it's, a, it's a phenomenal play to sprint down the court, catch the ball, catch up to the ball, stay in bounds, restart, dunk. Um, for a guy who's 6'8", 255, it's not a point guard who's jetting down the floor. It's a big guy. And not only that, in a 40-point game, um, just the perfect encapsulation of you know not only his ability, but what the team had and what the team did tonight. And that's about as big of a cherry on top as you can have until Mackey makes a three and the place goes wild, <laughs> absolutely wild. But uh, the Sheboy play is time capsule stuff. Is, is it going to step too much on your, on your story to, to discuss where everybody was on the court at that time for both teams? Well, well the people in Orange were in Austin, Texas. They were already <laughs> packed up on that bus. I, I was going to say, because – because when that ball started going down the court, um, there was Oscar was pretty even, I feel like, with, with one Texas player. And then there were two, I think, at least two other Texas players before the next West Virginia player. Mm-hmm. And when Oscar got to the ball, there were three West Virginia players there yeah. and not one Texas. And, and the one Texas guy that got close towards the end there, the one that ended up getting dunked in his face. He started the sprint down there, then stopped as Oscar got close to it, and then kind of sort of restarted again, only to get dunked on. So, I, like you said, kind of summarizes things. I didn't want to step too much on it, but Texas was out. West Virginia was in. Starter still in, just doing that kind of stuff. It's a pretty indefensible performance by Texas, but I will say in their defense that that's just a play you never see. <laughs> that that ball's going out of bounds. And by far, no one is going to chase it down in a 40-point game. And, I mean, with the game on the line, you probably think that ball is going out of bounds. He just makes a – I don't know I don't know what the word is, what the adjective is. Again, I don't want to use all my words here, but just makes a, a very nice play. So, are, are, we, are we riding the roller coaster back down on Saturday? What, what's – What's your feeling here? Or, or is no, I mean, or... you're going to have a sold out crowd against a fledgling SEC team? Um, and I think that the fact that these guys recovered and had so many contributions, their confidence is back up. They were they were pretty angry, I think, Saturday, um, but felt buoyed by their second half. And then the the I don't know this this reaction people have to immediately get down when a loss happens. I don't think players necessarily share that, and I think that they will push back against that sometimes, and that can push you back up pretty quickly, which is probably what happened tonight. Um, I don't know if you can ever conjure this type of effort and performance every game. You can try hard every game, and good things happen, but um, again, this is more this is more pattern than exception. I think. I mean, they're not a great offensive team, but they're capable of stretches like this, and they make it happen. They may not shoot it all the time, but 
they get shots by rebounding and they can kind of create some things in their defense or at least keep teams out of their offensive comfort zone. And that's been pretty consistent for what, 18 games now? Yeah. Funny how that works, huh? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's let, wrap it up here. I have to go uh, bow at the altar of Sheepway here and <laughs> prepare a story for later in this morning. But uh, anything else for you, Chris? Uh, no, that's it. Uh, make sure you, once you get done listening to this, uh, check out the rest of the site. We've got a lot of, uh, of course, Mike's ode to Oscar coming up later today. I will have uh, an update with surprise junior day visitor, Dalen Long, mm-hmm. David Long's younger brother. Um, and uh, quarterback who uh, visited also on Sunday. Some more reaction from visitors. Uh, just a lot of stuff. Four-star running back with his thoughts on the trip. Um, so kind of backlogged on the recruiting updates, and they're just going to start coming fast and furious. So I hope everybody's ready for that. All right. Well, that'll wrap it up here for this time. I am Mike Casazza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later.